This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, everyone. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! 14 USA gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. Score, don't spike. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello. That's Kevin. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks podcast. Uh, apologize for the last couple of weeks here. We have been uh, scrambling around. Uh, had one guest cancel. We had a had a uh, well, he, he postponed, I should say. And then we were going to record pod on a different day. We were going to record pod on Monday. Tommy and I both show up to Kevin, who uh, his condo has the studio inside of it. It's very nice, and. Kevin isn't there. Kevin, what happened there on Monday? I honestly just blanked. Uh, my boss was in town from New York, uh, so kind of got caught up at work and had completely forgotten that we had rescheduled for Monday. So uh, my bad, y'all. Yes. So direct your derogatory tweets toward Kevin. Per usual. <laughs> yeah, as usual. Um other than that, let's see. We got we're working on the website, right? Is there are the quack lights going to see any changes, or is that more back end stuff? Uh, no, I I think um I don't want to jump the gun, but I'm going to say as of posting, we'll have a new website up. Oh, full redesign. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm going to go ahead and put the put my put the screws to myself there. So uh, yeah. So expect a new website. So go check it out. Um. It'll probably be more of like a constant work in progress, but uh, just cleaning some things up and fresh new look for uh, for the new year. See, that is exciting. That that almost makes up for it. Uh, elsewhere, I'm gonna try. We're gonna, I'm gonna try. We're gonna try some different things here. Uh, the number one thing is gonna be affiliate links. So basically, you guys click the links and uh, like to Amazon or iTunes. And it gives us a little bit of whatever you purchase. We get a little bit of that. So uh, I'm going to post some links. I'll probably post like one in this one. I'm still working on like getting approved by everybody. But be on the lookout for that and bookmark it and buy it. And you can help us out just by you shopping online. Um, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Keeping yeah. the pod strong. Exactly. We're I'm I'm going for it. And we're going to try to see what happens here for real. Uh, thanks to everybody who has filled out the survey. It's been helpful. Uh, if you haven't filled out the survey yet, I will put the link into the show notes again. Some interesting stuff in there. So we have, we have people in China and New Zealand and um, other places here. China? Yes, China, Sweden, um, some other places that I like. I knew we had Australia, but there's quite a few in Australia. So yeah, we're all over the world. So appreciate that. And we'll probably have some guests coming up. We I mentioned the one Adam F. Goldberg, creator of the Goldbergs. He should be coming eventually. I'm not sure when 
again and whatnot. But I do have another one set up possibly for next week. He was a rollerblading double in D3. So get your quiet questions in for him. And uh, we'll see what we can do. But right now, let's go to the topic at hand. Tommy, what is the topic today? So the topic today is going to be about a uh, Pulitzer-winning uh, work of fiction, which is the uh, novelization of the first film, The Mighty Ducks. Yeah, so a lot of a, a lot of requests for this, a lot of requests for the novelizations. I wasn't really sure how to find them. Uh, somebody sent me an email and said, hey, they're all on this website. And this is a random website. It's called queertet.net. Uh but all the novelizations are on there. At least they say that someone sat there and transcribed all the novelizations. If you have the novelization. I feel like the site is about to be taken down. Yeah, probably. Well, it said like at any at any like inkling of a copyright infringement, I'll take th- it down. And the site itself like hasn't been updated since like 2008. So, yeah, I don't know how this person found them, but. If you have the novelization, please double-check this before we go on to D2 and D3. But all this is is a short book version of what happened in the movies here. But there are some interesting differences. And the, the differences start really right away. So you start with Bombay's penalty shot. Bombay playing the Cardinals, though, not playing Duluthies. Duluthies has been scrubbed from the history books here. Um, And then it just gives random extra info. So Bombay obviously goes into the courtroom, and we see him there. Bombay's client in the opening scene is Max Tolbert, a man accused of selling fake savings bonds to senior citizens. Uh, The jury deliberated for less than an hour and found him not guilty. Does this make you like Bombay more? Does it make you not like Bombay? Uh, does it have any sort of effect on your uh, thoughts on him? And that's a pretty dick uh, thing to do. If if what is his name, Max Tolbert? Yes. If Max Tolbert actually did these crimes and Bombay got him off, I mean, that's a pretty shitty thing to do. Um, I think that's kind of one of the one of the areas where you'd say that uh, isn't fair game for. Uh, as far as crimes go, old people scamming old people. Nobody's nobody's cool with that. Um, so I'd say this makes Bombay look like more of a dick to harken back to episode one. Tommy? I'm curious as to what Kevin thinks is fair game for crimes. You know, like uh, like pirating novelizations of movies. Yeah. It's for the good, it's for the good, it's of, for the- the good of the pod. <laughs> it's for the greater good. I think there's like an, an ethics like... One of the five pillars of ethics is like one of them is for like basically on communitarianism for the greater good. So I guess this is what this is. Yeah. And I just want to give a shout out to Sam. Uh, he or she, I'm not sure, is the one who sent me this link for the novelization. So quick question. To, and you might have said this already and I just missed it. Who wrote these? These are wrote by Jordan Horowitz. Wrote? Written. Written. <laughs> okay. These were written. By Jordan Horowitz, who I believe was a producer. I can look that up here. I should have done. Did you reach out to Jordan? I did not. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Jordan Horowitz, producer also of La La Land. What? Uh, I, if it, I'm pretty sure this is the same guy, but he 
Yeah, he's had a, a long career, and I think it mostly started with him just writing. We need to get Jordan Horowitz on the phone. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really start to get into this if if I can prove that this is the same Jordan Horowitz. Uh, I will definitely look into that here. But anyway, yeah. sorry, I, I was just curious. So I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll provide a better answer maybe later in the pod or, or in the show notes here. So you have Jeannie, secretary's last name. That's Davis. Now there's no thirty and one discussion in scoring with the court reporter here. Um, later on, Bombay's sort of loss in his own drunk driving cases counted as the loss, the thirty and one loss. So my question: Should we count that? Because he basically uh, Duxworth basically took a a deal and negotiated the deal for him without Bombay really uh, going through the process because Bombay was going to fight it. Does he deserve a loss in his own drunk driving case? Tommy? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Was he defending himself? Yes, but as I said, Duxworth sort of made him take a deal. Yeah, well, I guess if you take a deal, I don't know, are you admitting guilt though? No, I, it's like if you take a plea deal, you are admitting guilt. Uh, yeah, but if it, I, I don't know, I don't. I really, that's a good question. I we might have to get Danny on the horn for yes. this, but uh, I don't know if if taking a deal for like a lesser charge constitutes a win. Moral victory. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Now the other thing this novel does is it changes. Some sayings for seemingly no reason. So in the movie, it's called uh, Duxworth goes to Bombay after Bombay wins that initial case over uh, over Steve Brill, basically there. And he says, score don't spike. In this, it's changed to score don't gloat. So I don't know why they changed it, but they did. And we move on. You go to the drunk driving. They take out the blood, breath, or urine joke unfortunately <laughs> but the interesting thing is here is he's driving drunk because of the meeting with Duxworth I'm going to read you a passage here his meeting that afternoon with Duxworth was replaying itself in its head in his head he simply could not understand why Duxworth hadn't been more appreciative it wasn't how you played the game it was the winning that counted wasn't it it was nothing Mr. Duxworth he shouted angrily quack 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 Mr. Duxworth Gordon looked into his rearview mirror and noticed that he was being followed by a police car. The flashing red light suddenly went on and he clumsily pulled the car over to the side of the road. Gordon tried to slide the bottle under his seat. He tried to calm himself. Don't panic, Bombay, he told himself. No problem. So Duxworth is really the reason he's in this. I guess because the meeting didn't go well. Would you blame Duxworth? Should he have known his employee better? That that Gordon was this sort of uh, win at all costs, but he was also a fragile guy that would drunk go drunk driving and possibly run the firm's name through the mud. Or is this all on Bombay? I mean, I don't think it's not on Bombay, but I don't. I also don't think that that Ducksworth would have cared either way. Like he's running a business, he's not like coddling his employee. You know what I mean? Like. He, I don't think he could correctly anticipate that Bombay would go drink and drive after he scolded him. You know, I don't think that's like a fair thing to 
to to drop on somebody. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Uh, I mean, Tommy, do you disagree here, or should we move on? I I agree with Kevin. I mean, it's like it's you know, if you yell at your or not yell, or if you you know have a talking to with your subordinate, and it's like this isn't necessarily a big thing. It's it's just like hey, you know, you know, don't gloat. It's like you don't expect him to like fucking get tanked and then drive around and then like like what? That's not a normal reaction to that. Now, if it was like maybe you expect him was like I know he's probably going to be like sulking in his office, but you don't say. Well, I better make sure he doesn't go get drunk and drive around because that's what Gordon does when I give him a little slap on the wrist. So yeah, it's all on Bombay. So what do you normally do whenever Mike writes a good story and then starts gloating in the <laughs> office? Let's see. I think Mike would have to write a good story first. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Burn. No, I'm That's just kidding. Fair. Mike is very humble. Um, I don't think Mike recognizes when he writes good stories. Um, I try to give him praise um, one-on-one. Um, I don't think that's Mike's style to kind of you know, pat himself on the back, though, or like look for it. I don't know. I've seen him play Toss before. Well, toss is different. Toss is a sport we invented for the listeners. It's a very complicated mix of rules we came up with at like 3 a.m. one night. Uh, there were alcoholic beverages involved, if you would believe it. Uh, yeah, no drinking we do and have driving a very lengthy like official toss rules. Maybe we should put those on the on the website. Oh yeah, I do have those. I'll work on getting those up. I'll, I'll have to like convert them to PDFs, but that will take like four seconds actually. So uh, <laughs> I was like, in my mind, I was thinking that that would take a while. But yeah, there's an official toss rule book. I think I still need to update it with some rules. I feel like we need to diagram it out as well. Yeah, yeah. Instructional. We should videos. film our next session, and so they could be like instructional. Yeah, so some instructional video. Yeah, this is this is gonna take off, and then we'll sell it as a package. Granted, it'll just be like a ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's played with a Nerf basketball. So go out and get one, and then read the official toss rule books. I'm curious to see if anyone understands how to play through the rule book, just only and in the correct spirit. Yeah, I th- I don't think it will be that hard to get in the spirit. It just involves drinking, but. Anyway, let's move back here. Let's move back. Another fun fact. Petey was Carp's dog. Not established in the movie. Established in the novel. The dog that uh, pooped. Oh, and then nice. they, Yeah, at the beginning. That was Carp's dog. So shout out to Carp. And Petey, for that matter. Uh, and then Charlie, in this situation, almost gets caught running that scheme where they put the poop in the purse and then held the dollar out. He is, uh, he lunges, the man lunges just as Charlie slips over the top of a wall or a fence and drops to the other side. So, uh, it was, it was much easier in the film. So, I don't know. They did a lot of running around and, and sliding through tubes haphazardly placed all over a construction site. I mean, that was a pretty good chase. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it wasn't close to getting caught though like they were, they were always a step or two ahead of that guy anyway so you move on you go to the first practice now the practice where they're on the pond that's at pv park it's listed as pv park if you put that in and you put in adam banks's home address it is a mere two mile drive from adam banks's alleged address to pv park which i feel like should have raised some red flags there yeah, like they should have realized, like, hey, we're practicing on this pond, and this kid lives around the corner. 
why the hell isn't he on our team? Exactly. But they're all pretty stupid at this point. That's true. And I guess you have to draw the line somewhere. So maybe they thought he was just on the other side of the line. The other thing not brought up in the documentaries, this pond, I'm going to read the passage here. It was the same pond where Gordon used to practice hockey drills as a 10-year-old kid. His foster, his father used to pick him up each day after practice. It was the same pond where one day his father stopped coming to pick him up. Wow. So, yeah. It was I, I, I guess that's the first like indication that we've ever gotten of how or like how that unfolded, right? Yeah, it's, I always assumed, well, I didn't make the connection that the pond was the same pond, but I always assumed Gordon's father died because he said his dad died that year. But this makes it more seem like he left before he went off and died. Am I, am I no, reading too I, much into it? The way that I read it or heard it uh, is that like he died of a heart attack and didn't show up to pick him up one day. And that's like what happened. That's how I interpreted it. Oh, okay. Or whatever. Whatever he died of, car wreck, whatever. He just wasn't there to pick him up. Although in those flashbacks, he was always there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Tommy, any clarification for us? Um, On what Bombay's dad died of? On what I always assumed he died, because that's what Bombay said, but reading the novelization in that passage where... Uh, it was, quote, the same pond where one day his father stopped coming to pick him up. Did Bombay's father leave before, like, leave the family before he ended up dying? I had never assumed that Bombay's dad walked out on him. And, like, if that were the case, like, was was Bombay's dad still, like, alive? He was just, like, a deadbeat? And he, like, and then, um... You know, Coach Riley's comments, like, I wish your dad was here. Just, like, his dad, like, just, like, walked out on his mom. It's just, like, what a, that's even almost more dick to say to the kid. It's just, like, yeah. I know your dad hates you and your mom. I wish he was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is that is way worse. And I guess the only way it would work, because Bombay does say his dad died, is bec- is if his mom just said his dad died. And the dad actually would just walk down on him. Mm. But uh, that would be a big lie to tell. And I feel like they would eventually figure it out. You figure the dad would eventually try to make contact, especially when it's young Gordon Abbe scoring 198 goals in like 14 games. So you move on here. They're at their practice. Uh, they get in the car. Carp slashes Bombay's phone line with a skate blade. I think I don't know if that was implied in the uh documentary but i thought it was a fun fact there then you move on to the loss of the hawks and this was an interesting sort of passage for me because again just changes something for no reason so after the game uh gordon's yelling at him he says like you you don't li- even listen to me jesse quote took a step towards gordon why should we he asked in a challenging tone he slipped on his shades and skated to the locker room. So Jesse Hall apparently wearing sunglasses on the ice or around near the ice. Anyway, so you go to the, the equipment shop. And now did you guys pick up on this? So when Fulton pulls the stick out of the, the sculpture and whatnot. Excalibur. Yeah. Did, was, yeah. I, mean, oh, I you, think that's pretty obvious. I totally missed that. 
I totally missed that. But yeah, it's it's spelled out in the novelization here. Uh, yeah, Tommy, did you get the Excalibur reference there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, maybe I'm just an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we keep moving on, and then there's practice. Now, the egg drill. Uh, Classic, classic. Classic classic scene, classic drill. Now, does that change your opinion if this went on for the better part of an hour? (laughs) An hour? They just, I guess, I mean, that's like really drilling the, the point home. And at one point, Carp shouts, I'm making omelets in frustration. I mean, that sounds like something Carp would say <laughs> and do. So, yeah. So, that's it, a long time for one drill, though. That's a, a long lo- time, especially for kids that age. And that's like the only drill they'd be able to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You would assume these practices are hour, hour and a half. Uh, How many eggs can you go through in an hour? He must have spent yeah, a fortune. That is an expensive drill. Yeah, I didn't even really <laughs> think about that. Yeah. How so, much were eggs in that in that era? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to do the the math with inflation. And all yeah, that. and then assume is it one of our Quackalites is an egg guy, isn't he? And, oh, that's true. That's true. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Zach. He. Uh, I feel like this would be an easier answer to find on the internet, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, maybe Zach and. Uh, but yeah, find out how much eggs were, and then ex- extrapolate it out for like a rate at which carp would have broken eggs per minute i mean you would figure you would figure they would the amount of eggs per minute that they broke would decrease throughout the better part of that hour you would assume they were getting better at this that's a big assumption i mean (laughs) it's like the first time they've ever done this drill it's not like a kid that's shooting layups for the first time with his left hand finally becomes great at shooting left-handed layups 30 minutes into a drill that's true you would assume that the rate would decrease somewhat, though. <laughs> Slightly. I would say minimally, yeah, but... So, so okay, so how many eggs could they... I'm going to figure this out now. How many eggs you have... It's a, it's a constant drill, right? It's like them with a buddy going back and forth, right? Yes, and it, according to this, they passed eggs to each other in a pattern. Uh, each time they sent one off, another came from across the way. Most of the kids got the knack of the pass pretty quickly. Everyone that is except Carp. <laughs> So, I mean, if it's a constant thing, you have to assume at least like, I don't know, 10 eggs per minute, 10 eggs per minute, unless they, unless there's like a cleanup period between. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would assume you would have to do that or at least have time for Gordon or whoever to take the eggs out of the carton, set it up and then put it back into the drill. It's also a very wasteful drill. Yeah, I'm not sure how the Zambonis feel about it either. Like yeah. the rink maintenance workers as well. I feel like that's just going to screw up everything. But. I I would love to talk to like a, like a range of youth hockey coaches to see if anybody has ever done this drill before. Did huh. Did you ever do this growing up? No, not with an egg. <laughs> no, what, I don't think anybody's ever done it. Were there any other like foreign objects that you other than a puck that you guys practiced with? I mean, not for. Not like Not serious practice, yeah. Like we would sometimes you like throw out like a soccer ball or something just to like have fun or something like that, but not for like a serious practice. Let me reframe the question: If you were taking over D five as coach, would you employ this drill? No. 
All right. Well, I think you could do stuff. They have different weighted pucks, so like some that are heavier, some that are uh, some that are lighter. Those are mostly for like small kids to play with. But uh, yeah, they do have weighted pucks, but I think that's probably better than just eggs in terms of uh, soft hands and that kind of stuff because you don't want the uh, if you, if that heavy puck is coming hard, it's gonna bounce hard off your uh, stick. So anyway, you move on and some controversy. There's always been some controversy with who actually scored the first goal against the Cardinals. I believe Gee scores it in the films, but the announcer credits it to Jesse. In this, Terry Hall scores the first goal. Wow. So yeah, just adding another layer on here. Uh, so move on, keep going. The team quits on Bombay, and Jesse again gets weird. Says, "Forget it, sugar daddy." Is one of <laughs> <laughs> is one I think of that's his. my new favorite line. Yeah. Uh, so they forfeit to the Flames, and according to the novel, Bombay f- is wandering aimlessly around the city, and then he finds Mickey Diner and looks through the window and sees Casey Conway, and then goes in to talk about the team and how he talked to so Jesse's it's dad. It's just it's just serendipity that he sees Charlie's mom working. That is how it is presented. I think that's total bullshit. That is how it is presented. Um, and then Ducksworth here. So we, we've theorized the relationship between Riley, Banks, and Ducksworth. Because Ducksworth is like on their side. And he said, Phil Banks is one of my oldest friends, not to mention a source for much of our insurance work. So there is definitely a business relationship there that is not uh, as laid out in the documentaries. And then we go to science class. Science class teacher's name, Mr. Altry. So I feel like if we were to do another trivia challenge, it, it would have to be on these like novelizations with these weird names and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, they're, it's pretty much the same, although it, uh, I'm kind of looking do through. Do they still the, write the same thing on the blackboard? Well, this is this is the science class where they sort of get in the fight and then, they all scramble around. Charlie doesn't have a desk, and the principal comes in. Uh, but Connie gets involved, which I don't remember in the documentary. Connie really getting involved, but she yells at Carp, and then Carp talks back to her. And uh, yeah, so you. <laughs> and then, okay, so I'm going to read this here. Soon everyone started shoving everyone else. One of the kids grabbed Mr. Altry's molecule model and started throwing the styrofoam balls around the room. My Adams cried Mr. Altry as he came back into the classroom. Uh, yeah, and then the principal comes in. And the way, so they're in detention now. And you know how Bombay comes in and is like, oh, sarcasm. And this is how the book describes Carp's response. Uh, I was being sarcastic, Gordon explained. Do you know what that means? No, replied Carp stupidly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I think Jordan just really disliked Carp. Yeah. I think Jordan would fit in well on this podcast. Yeah. So Carp, uh, Carp gets a rough shake here in the novelization. Stupidly. Yeah. But uh, Carp is an animal lover, apparently. Yeah. He likes uh, he, yeah, Petey the dog there. Uh, you go to the playoffs. 
No turnover in the Huskies game. You remember Fulton gives up the puck and then gets it back. No, he just blasts home the winner in this version. They go to the championship. It's at New Hope Arena, which looked up is actually the place where they filmed it. And, you know, we talked to Larson and asked him about the first name. He said someone had told him it was Reed. According to this book, Larson's first name is Billy and McGill's first name is Pete. So Pete McGill and Billy Larson. Mm -hmm. Is that better than Reed Larson or worse? Kind of generic. Pete, wait, Pete McGill and Billy Larson. Billy Larson. I feel like Billy Larson sounds like a hockey player. Yeah. Reed Larson was actually a hockey player, though. Well, there you go. <laughs> Shows how much I know about hockey. Yeah. Um. And then let's see. Oh, so we go down to the penalty shot. Last last thing we'll touch on here. So there's that moment when they're like, anyone on the ice can take it. So. It's Gee or it's Charlie who offers up Gee according to this. Is it let Gee take the shot, said Charlie. No, said Gee. I think Jesse's to take it. Jesse wasn't on the ice, Carp said to Gee. It's either you, Connie, or Peter. There's also two other people. But <laughs> yeah, I like that like underhanded. <laughs> yeah. What about Charlie? suggested Gordon. You've gotta be kidding, exclaimed Connie. No way, said Carp. Even Charlie knew that was ridiculous. And then he they he eventually just talks them into it. And Charlie, what, goes, I, I will say this: like, what shitty teammates? Like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me! Wow, thanks. <laughs> oh yeah, good luck. Go, go, Charlie. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty tough to come back from that. Yeah, I mean, Charlie didn't have the most confidence in himself. Even Charlie knew it was ridiculous, but uh, he goes and wins the shot now. Uh, before I, the only thing else that I sort of noticed there was completely removed going to the North Stars hockey game. Completely removed Mike Madano. Um, I wonder if that was like contractual reasons. Oh, maybe. Who knows? But other than that, that is sort of the the quick summary. Well, not so quick summary, I guess, of the first novel. Uh, just final impressions here. Uh, uh I, I get. It's kind of hard for us, like just hearing the synopsis. But like, what do you think? Like, I, how would you compare entertain entertainment value of the book versus the movie, the documentary? Rather? Well, so I knew the story, so that yeah, that removes right. some entertainment value. And I was, I guess, I was expecting the book to be longer because I was like, oh man, I don't have time to read this. And then I sat down and read it in like half an hour, maybe an hour. So. Yeah, it was just it just kind of glossed over a bunch of stuff, and like I don't think you really got to know the kids enough to like them or even dislike them, other than Carp, which uh, but I think that was the author's doing. But yeah, I don't I I think it was better as a movie. I think that was its first home for a reason. So there you go. Quick quick aside, there was a a book of like of youth novels centered around hockey. It was like a series. Do you remember what those were? They I were like mysteries slash yeah, hockey. I don't think it was hockey. It was just sports. I believe the guy's name was Matt Hardy. Or you mean Matt Christopher? Matt Christopher. That's who it was. Uh, okay, because I remember that. I remember a hockey one very specifically. Yes, I remember the hockey one. I remember was these two kids had bubble hockey, and they realized that every. 
like bubble hockey, you know, like like oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. foosball, but basically hockey. Yeah. Um, and they realized they would play before every game, and they started to realize that what happened in their bubble hockey game would happen. No, no this ice. is that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I there, don't know. Oh, man. I'll look I'm it up. I'm pretty sure it was a, a series about like hockey, like youth hockey teams. I'll have to, I'll have to try to find it. This is fictional accounts. Fictional, though. yes. Okay. Yes. I was just, I don't know, it just made me think of that, and I hadn't thought about it in a while, so. Okay. I'll look it up and see if I what I can find I here. remember there was a scene at the beginning of one, which might have been stolen from the Mighty Ducks, was it was either shaving cream that they put on some guy's head on the airplane or bubble gum. One uh, of the I two. Like while he was sleeping. Like as a prank. But Hilarious. That's, that's one of the things I remember from it. Hilarious stuff. All right. Any final thoughts here before we go to the quiet question? Tommy? Um, you know, it makes me want to read the book. I think we should kind of have to, like, we should issue a challenge to the uh, Quackalites to see if they could, like, rewrite the first chapter or first scene better. You know, I think, um, you know, I mean, how long did Jordan Horwitz sit down and write this? Like, did he crank it out in an afternoon or something? Or... It's, uh, or like, and I'm always curious about these novelizations of books. And I remember, like, when I was 10 or whatever, I read the novelization of the, the first Spider Man movie. And then, like, I was pissed at myself for reading it before I saw the movie because I was like, damn it, I just spoiled it for myself. So <laughs> I don't know if anyone read this before they watched The Mighty Ducks. It's weird because now, now you get that a lot with video games. Like, people saying you shouldn't play the video game before you watch the movie, which is. I, I forget. It might have been the most recent Spider-Man when people were saying the video game was better than the movie, which is an interesting thing to thing to say. Uh, I would play the shit out of a Mighty Ducks video game, though. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't know how it would work. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be like sandbox style, like that, like the game Bully that Rockstar put out. Oh, Mighty Bully! Great. Bully was fun. Yeah, so you play it like that plus hockey. I think this could be it. This could be a whole topic here yeah we could get into it deep here so let's just move on here let's move on to the quack question for those of you who don't know or have never listened to the pod before you ask us quack questions we try to answer them you can ask us on twitter facebook email carrier pigeon and uh we pick the best ones try to answer them as i said Kevin, what is the quack question today? All right. Today's quack question comes from BK Sean via email. Um, And so I don't really have any other information other than that. So here we go. Okay. When Bombay blows out his knee while playing for the waves, they carefully take his helmet off and put a towel under his head. What's that about? They want to make him comfortable as he grimaces for an indefinite amount of time. Is he a soldier? Rapidly losing blood on the battlefield. Why not just skate him off the ice with a teammate supporting him on each side? I'm guessing the Waves players are sort of mourning the end of this uplifting comeback story. Yeah, I mean it's a great it's a great point. Um, you would figure that I think in most situations, like guy goes down, and then trainer comes out, realizes like he's good to go, and then yeah, he's sort of helped off the ice. Uh, I mean. I, yeah, I think I think BK sort of got into it there. I think this was like just a demoralizing blow to the team. But uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, like you see, like this kind of reaction. Like there, there are a few sports injuries I always go back to. It's like Tyrone Prothrow at Alabama, 
Sean Livingston for the Clippers. Uh, 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 I always forget his first name. Ware uh, for Louisville when he broke oh, yeah. his leg. Kevin Ware. What's that? Kevin. Isn't it Kevin, Kevin Ware? Oh, hey, there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Willis McGahee in the national championship. Uh, Marcus Lattimore when he like just shredded his knee. Like there are a couple like very vicious, gruesome injuries. Um, where you see this kind of rightfully so a guy like on like writhing in pain on the ground for you know an indefinite amount of time but it's like this is like a pretty standard acl injury right like i, I guess I mean, we, we don't, don't really, really have any sort of info maybe the novel and d2 will tell us a little more but uh Ooh, a little foreshadowing there i like it i i have no idea if that's true <laughs> or not but maybe it will but yeah we have no idea but yeah it certainly seems like he is fine he's just Injured, like, especially like yeah. when it comes specifically to hockey. Like a guy gets his throats, his jugular slash, and he skates off the ice. But Bombay can't be bothered. He needs a towel <laughs> or a, a, a towel and a and a pillow, you know, under his head. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Tommy. Any thoughts here? Yeah, like it is very strange. It is. It's like almost like his leg just got cut off. So like, oh, make him comfortable while he dies here on the ice. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it could have been like a running joke, like since he's old, like whenever he like kind of sits down, they always like put a towel behind his head jokingly. And so they thought maybe he was just fucking around. So they put a towel under his head and it's like, oh wait, no, his career's over. Um, but yeah, very strange. Yeah, I I guess my only thought is if they thought he had some sort of, like, spinal injury or spinal deal and they just wanted to, like, make sure his upper body was fine. So they're like, we're going to put you down here so we could. But, uh, yeah, that wouldn't make really any sense here. Yeah, maybe it was just, like, a joke and they were trying to ease his pain and uh, or just get him laughing a little bit. But, yeah, they (laughs) take off the helmet, which is uh, an interesting strategy. The towel, I guess I get for, like, comfort's sake. But other than that, I don't know if we have a good answer for this one. Usually we can figure it out through uh, something. But, uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just got to be them sort of mourning the loss. But, again, they aren't, they aren't addressing the problem of his shredded up knee here. So, yeah, good question, BK. Not sure that we answered it sh- sufficiently, but... Uh, if the quack lights have any thoughts, you know where to go. The quackdate.com. Go there. Contact us at quackdatepod on Twitter, facebook.com slash quackdatepod. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Tell us why you think the Minnehaha Wave Trainers didn't address Bombay's real knee at all when they first came out and just addressed his head. And uh, go to the shop. Get some gear. Lots of gear. Is there any sales going on at this point or no? No sales right now. Uh, might have a new, might have some new merch dropping soon. Oh, if time allows. Um, got something like halfway finished, so keep keep a lookout. We'll let you know. Yes, exciting stuff there. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack quack.